What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Florida Podcast. I'm your host, Amadeo Gracia, along with my partner, Chris Mayer. As always, we live stream on the Painted Lines, TTP Sports and Flyers Fan, Mania 93, and also a bunch of Twitter channels, TPL, the Florida Pod Twitter, Chris's Twitter, and also my Twitter as well. So there's a lot of things that you can hopefully find us on, but if you somehow do not, it is always going to be on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast at. And honestly, quick thing before we even started this podcast. So Chris looked up the pictures of the Flyers getting ready for their road trip. And a great quote that he uh, left off to me before I hit the uh, broadcast button is, Chuck looks so sexy in that outfit. I'm just like, okay, that's how we're starting the day off. Yeah, that was – no, because they tweeted – and posted on Instagram a bunch of pictures of the guys going to, you know, when they flew out to, to Canada today. And they flew out earlier today so that they could get adjusted at the time and everything. So that's why they left today, even though the game's Wednesday. But um, <laughs> I was kind of just joking around. And, uh, yeah, so that was cool. And, you know, a lot of the guys have the the Broadway hats um, for Jimmy Hayes, which is awesome. And um, they all got that real nice flyers all black jacket with the all black little logo um crest um which looks nice so um yeah just no but seriously that was that's all jokes aside i don't want to make it like that's serious or anything like that (laughs) yes definitely all jokes just a nice little quote to start off the podcast with but we have some a lot of topics to get into today so before The last time we did a podcast was before the Wednesday night game against the Boston Bruins. So two games have gone by since then. The Flyers beat the Boston Bruins 6-3. to They also had a very tough game against the Florida Panthers where a lot of uh, they shot themselves in the foot a lot of times. Specifically, they took seven penalties in that Saturday game, and that was definitely a winnable contest. But Mm -hmm. I'm not – it's like I'm trying to describe it as I'm not annoyed with the game, but it's also frustrating at the same time, like Claude Drew explained that in his press conference, that it's a game that they had a chance to win. And basically I would say they took themselves out of it just because of a little bit of mistakes that Florida took advantage of. And that's a team you desperately do not want to make a couple, couple lucky bounces too, as, as well as that. But also the thing that sticks out to me is seven penalties. My goodness. I'm just, it wasn't even, and I didn't mean to cut you off, but it wasn't even the fact that it was, you know, the PK or anything like they gave up a power play goal, which was five seconds into the power play off of a nice setup, you know, and, and, and th- that happens. But the PK went six for seven after that. They did. You know? And it wasn't even the fact that it was, I, I, look, I'm not going to blame the refs. It was an unfortunate situation. One of the referees got hurt. Um, you had the other referee that was, I believe, his third NHL game. Oof. So he was calling a bunch of things, you know, so that's why there was, a lot of people saw that we call on sealer the interference which is basically the, the very very similar penalty to sanheim who got called a very similar interference like what a couple of minutes beforehand right after yeah. they killed it um and the florida goes right back to the power plane scores and sometimes that's just hockey but when you kill six of seven penalties and you have 14 penalty minutes in the game that can take you out of the offensive flow it's another two minutes where you don't have offensive players out there and that honestly might be one of the many it might be one of the very few hockey games that I've been to in my life where I've seen both teams score a shorthanded goal. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Um, and Florida just got a couple lucky bounces. I mean, like their second and third goal. And it's just such a backbreaker. Then at the end of the second there, the Flyers had a good period overall. You get two goals. You get one of them shorthanded. You have the lead. Um, you maintained a lot more offense than you did in the first period. And they get a goal off a kind of flutter backhander that was kind of just like, and Sanheim, I forget the way Sanheim described it um, in, in, in the post game, but he, the way he said it was perfect. He, you know, I forget exactly what words he said, but um, it was kind of just like one of them, like 
kind of like hope, hopeful backhanders that just went to the net and it goes off tip at skate and in. And I'm like, dude. And then like 10 seconds later, Pro Rob takes a tripping penalty. Yeah, so in that's... a span of like 15 seconds where you had a play where Konechny has the puck behind the net. And and it wasn't really anything against Konechny. It was just the puck either deflected or went over Couturier's stick and it went in the no man's land and they're caught three on two the other way. They tie it penalty. It's like you're 30 seconds away from going into the intermission with the lead and, that, and all that happens in the span just like that. Yep. So it's unfortunate. And sometimes that's, you know, that's how the game is. Um, but I, I think Giroux said it best ho- post game. He was, and I mean, he was obviously pissed. I don't blame him um, because that was a winnable game for them. And they had a lot of chances, especially in the last three, four minutes. Um, but he was like, you know, if they win that game, it, it looks like a great homestand. He gets seven out of a possible eight points. Now it's just an okay homestand. So I think there were a lot of things that were good that came out of this. Um, I think there were some rough things, but I think as everything kind of went on and as they played the games, um, things started to get better. But, um, like, for example, like the penalty kill didn't look great in the first game. It's actually looked really good in the last three games. Uh, they didn't take many penalties in the games against Seattle and Boston. Penalty kill should be first in the league with how many penalties they had to kill on that Saturday game. Mm -hmm. I mean, right now the power play is fourth in the league. I think 36% the last time I looked. Um, So I I think a graphic they showed during the game was they were ranked second, I believe, at the last time I saw, but it could have changed with all the other games that have played over the past couple of days. Yeah, right. It was a Saturday night in the league, too, so you have a lot of games that are getting played. Um, But I forget what I had looked at on... But I wrote it in an article yesterday, uh, like, you know, for the stats and everything. And on ESPN, the power play right now for the Flyers is is still ranked fourth. Um, there was a, a, a switch, though, in everything because uh, Edmonton is first, 47.1%. Flyers are still fourth, 36.4%. Um, so it, it, it's looked pretty good. They got four power play goals. Um, on the year, and I think they've have I think they have a power play goal in three of the four games. I think they scored I two believe so. against I believe so. Vancouver. Um, so yeah, and I'm looking I mean, at the uh, I'm looking at the penalty kill stats right now. According to NHL.com, the Flyers rank 15th in the penalty kill at 81.3. The Penguins have Penguins and the Blues and the Sharks. They're tied for first with 92.3 penalty kill. What's San Jose penalty. though? I mean, mm-hmm. like, like their power play is tied for seventh right now with Buffalo yep. at 29.4%. And they look good, the Sharks. Yes. I know, again, it's very early, but no, yeah, I don't definitely. think anybody expected San Jose to do that. Yeah, I'm sure there's a, quite a few teams that no one really expected to, you know, get off to this such a hot start. Like Buffalo is one of those teams, for example, San Jose, like you brought up. And then looking at the other teams around the league, there are quite a few undefeated teams still. Carolina's undefeated, they're 4 0. Florida's still undefeated. The Blues, they're undefeated. And the Edmonton Oilers, they're the last of the undefeated teams. And the Edmonton Oilers are the team that the Flyers will be playing next as they go to Western Canada. So that is a definite tough competition right there for the Flyers. And if you look at the Edmonton Oilers right now, yeah, Connor McDavid, of course, he's scoring at a, what, over two goal, two points a game pace at this point, maybe almost three. He has 13 points in five games. Dry Settle has 11 points in five games. So mm-hmm. I think right now for McDavid, he... With the way he's been playing right now, I know McDavid is unreal, but do you think this is sustainable for him, or do you think he maybe comes down a little bit just because it's such an early start to the season? I mean, or, the Oilers are playing well, too. I'm not going to count on McDavid. I mean, like, there's no secret to why I, their I, power play is. I know. The, the, the man put up over 100 you points know? in a shortened season last year, so yeah. honestly, it's probably expected of him to get to the 150-point right. mark this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, right now, they're second in the league. Um, at goals per game at 4.6. Flyers are tied for fourth to 4.5. Yeah. So and, the Flyers have been scoring goals. Edmonton's been scoring goals. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it was I mean, both, um, both one, one question well. that uh, my father asked me going to the game on Saturday. He's like, Do you think the Flyers keep up their six goals a game pace? I was like, No, not against Florida. And no. that's something I incredibly expected. And yeah. surprisingly, they scored two goals. Mm-hmm. And one thing, too, was. That the Farabee Brassard Atkinson line didn't do much. I know Atkinson had a goal, but again, it was shorthanded. And I think when I looked on, fan, I, I had checked my fantasy team 
at the end of the uh, second earned mission to see how I was doing. I saw Farabee had like six minutes and 50 seconds of ice time. I'm like, well, that's probably because of all penalties too. You know, and, and you could put Farabee on the penalty kill, which they did it. At one point, he was out there for a little bit, but I don't think he had um, much. I think he had PK somewhat time. of the impact on the Atkinson goal on Saturday. I think yeah, he was one of the ones he, that poked he, the puck. He did, yeah, he did, he did poke the puck. I don't, I don't know. It wasn't assisted. They had it as unassisted. I think he was um, also scrambling with the defenseman that was trying to get back. So basically, he helped Atkinson just get a clear breakaway. So yeah. he has basically all the space and time in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and again, I I don't want to make it like I that I think that they had a bad game. But when you put up twelve points in two games, I think it's kind of okay to not you know to not yeah. put up a couple goals or points I mean, that night. Yeah, we're, um, I know, like they hold you to such a high like expectation just because they performed so well in the first like three four games but like you know you're gonna have to come back down to earth eventually and these guys it's only it's only been game four for the flyers so something's going to have to there there's going to be ups and there's going to be downs that's what an 82 game season is for but this is going to be probably the next toughest test for the flyers coming up just because their first road trip is in western canada so you don't really get any leeway just because like you don't get a first like game in I would say Buffalo or something like that, maybe on the mm. East Coast in the Central Division. No, you go yeah. right to Western you Canada, travel three, three ten o'clock games, games in a row. Yeah. yeah, the one thing that's weird with me for the schedule, and that was something that I thought of too, was they're playing Edmonton and Vancouver back to back, and that's weird just because Edmonton and Calgary are in the same province. So, like, why don't they do Edmonton Calgary back to back, or is it like something that Calgary doesn't have? Or they're playing on the road, maybe that possible Thursday. I'm just like, it's weird. Like, why would you force the team to go to Edmonton, then travel to Vancouver, then travel back to Calgary? That's just something yeah. that's weird, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I think the Flyers have, what, nine back-to-backs this year? I think, I think they so. have the most in the league. I think so. Yeah, which I think it's surprising. The most, like that for years. the most or the second most. I know they're going to have a lot of them when they come back from the Olympic break in February. Yeah, but that's still like I, I honestly, if you look at the schedule, there's like so many back to backs. Regardless, you have this back to back coming up. I think they have a couple of back to backs in the month of November. In December, they have a couple mm-hmm. of back to back, like three back to backs right. in December. And that's and that that's when you need goaltending because mm-hmm. you need strength and you know things like that. And that's why the Flyers are trying to keep Jones fresh. Like that's why he started against Boston, and you know that that, that was a a good game for them. Yes, it wasn't the the best game, but. The, and, and really, it didn't seem like the Flyers got outplayed. Like it was like the shots were very heavy in Boston's favor, but the high quality chances were definitely more for the Flyers. Yeah, the Flyers scored. definitely did get a lot of high quality chances, but in terms of zone possession and offensive zone time, I think that advantage went to Boston, especially yeah. in that first period. But everything was the just, outside, though. Yeah. You know? Yeah, definitely. The Flyers d- played very well defensively against Boston. A lot of the chances were kept to the outside. Boston really didn't have many dangerous plays at all. And mm-hmm. when they did get a chance for a dangerous attempt, they really whiffed on the puck because Posternock had a lot of one-timer attempts that he whiffed on. So there were yeah. some breaks right there. And then the Flyers, mm-hmm. they just call them opportunistic, I could say. High danger yeah. chances, and they scored on all the yeah, chances they that they got. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I mean, you, in, like the first goal of that game, you have the entire shift by the Bruins in the zone. And then Atkinson goes up on a two-on-one off a nice pass from Rossard and, and scores. And that's just, I mean, that was the Flyers' second shot of the game. Mm-hmm. I think the first one was a flutter from the point. You know, it wasn't even really a shot. It was just a, you know, well, I shouldn't say it wasn't a shot. It was just a, not a high-quality chance to score. But you get my point. So, you know, I, I think I think there's been a lot of things that were good in the first handful of games. Like, Hearts looked better. Oh, yeah. And it's not even that Hart really had a, a bad game the first game it was just an uneven game for him because of everything that went on in the first and then you have the second period where they give us the four goals and everything and um but he's definitely had some great games and he was good against seattle jones was good um against against uh, boston against boston yeah i thought he had a great game for Hart on saturday too i i especially liked what he was doing in that game he was getting Mm -hmm. very aggressive and yeah. I think I there was a lot of chances that Uberdo had, and you saw especially in that second period when Florida was on like a bunch of their power plays, and even on even strength as well. You saw chances where Hart Hart was getting screened, but he was also trying to push up, get out of the blue paint, and even challenge the shooters to, hey, take this shot. I'm ready. I'm going to stop it. And it kind of gave me those little reactions that he made when he saved the puck. It kind of made you think like he's saying to himself, get that shit out of here. 
Mm-hmm. It's kind of it kind of makes you feel like that. Like he looked very confident on Saturday, and that's something really good moving forward because yeah. you are playing Edmonton on Wednesday, and that's a very highly gifted offensive team. So Hart's going to have his money for him on that game, and also too just because I don't think I know some people are probably going to say like you know in the back of their mind like if we had Ellis on Saturday, like Ellis was one of the reasons why we lost. Not being in the lineup is one of the reasons why we lost that game, and uh, like. They still played up the, the Florida without yeah. Ellis, so mm-hmm. I think that proves to the next men's step-up mentality. But I do think there's also some players that I probably want to see more out of or I'm just like really disappointed with the start of the year and that biggest person. And it's I see one of the comments right here from from Soto right here saying that uh, Nicolas Albe-Kubel just mm-hmm. has had a really bad start to the year. And yeah. my, it's like it's continuing from last season. He's continuing taking the bad penalties. He had the cross check a couple of games ago. He had the kneeing, even though it was called tripping. It was a knee on knee, and he got yeah. fined for that. Mm-hmm. And he's. Just, it feels like he's whenever he has a chance to make a good play, he turns the good play into a bad play exactly. because there were a lot of that, situations where a tor- turnover was forced in his favor, and then he turned the puck over. And and that too, and also like what you just mentioned, the kneeing, like what he got fined for. He creates a breakaway for himself and then trips a guy. Yes. Like he had the entire breakaway, and I believe it might have been McEwen who almost scored on the rebound. And it's not like the fourth line had a bad game, but they took three penalties. And Thompson had the one with, I think, really around stupid nine minutes penalty. left. Yeah, it was just a, just doing too much after the whistle. And it's not – and again, I don't want to pick on Thompson because I, th- I liked his game. And the fourth line was one of the biggest reasons why Giroux had scored the power play goal because they had all the offense's own pressure, drew the penalty, and then the Flyers dominated on it and scored. But and I also think um Albi Kubel as well, he was even though he didn't take the penalty, there was a situation in that second period where it was during the one of the first Thompson penalties where he, I think it was the hook in their own in the their hook. own zone, mm-hmm. where Albi Kubel had the puck wide open and had a chance to get it out of the zone. And yeah. he forced a turnover, and then that forced a couple of seconds later Thompson to take the hook. Yeah, and I, the one thing I've noticed too that which is good is that Av hasn't tried to bury him or anything like that. Like he he understands, and I think Nak is understanding too. Like, and he's mentioned it that Albi Kubel is, knows it and he's working at it. And again, I don't think it's again it's still very early in the season to healthy scratch somebody or bench someone. But I do think if Allison wasn't hurt, I think. One, I think he might have had the look already to begin with. And two, I think he would have been in the lineup a couple games ago. I think he would have started the season with the team. But obviously he didn't. He got hurt, sadly. And, you know, we're, we're looking at a while there for Allison. But, again, I don't know. That's just a speculation. And also but, I do think in this back-to-back we might see Brown come into the fold. Yeah. Because even though right now he's not traveling with the team, he's still waiting for that 14-day period with the COVID list but he yeah. is going to travel with the team after that expires so i do expect him to probably make an appearance during this road trip at least and once av had i would assume it's thursday because av had mentioned you can't like you can't fly guys from the states to edmonton so they have to fly him to Vancouver, he actually has to fly to toronto oh. and then from toronto to edmonton so if he, if he does that, which he probably will, I think the day that he actually has done that is, I think I think AV had said it was either the 15th day or the 14th day is Wednesday. He said he doesn't remember which one, but it's either or. So he either has to wait another day and make that Thursday. So he might play Saturday or if it's the 15th day, because I think it has to be a full 14 days. It's not the 14th day. So... If that happens, then I would assume that Brown is probably going to play either Thursday or Saturday, but I think he's going to get a look. Yeah, I think and, he's going to get at least one. Yeah, and I've liked McEwen's game as well. I thought he had a couple good plays, and it wasn't even just offensive plays. Like He created a play for himself the other night. He had speed up through the neutral zone, got by the defender, and tried for a slap pass to Thompson and ended up getting broken up. He had a couple good, good hits. Um, and again, it wasn't like I thought that they played bad. It was just they had a couple penalties. And it wasn't even that, again, again, it's not the penalty kill. It just took the offensive flow out of the game because it's another two minutes. You don't have offensive players out there. Um, You're taking yourself out of the game by taking too many penalties. Yeah, and then you have the power play in the third period. You have a a pass that went off the boards really weird, too, the Yandel pass that that was the Hubert O'Brickway. 
Like he passed that straight across and it came out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it just, it, it just it, like he passed bounce, it to nowhere. nowhere I don't think it did, but it was just, a I don't think it bounce. did. He, like he, I think he didn't see, I didn't see it go off any like type of stick or anything. It was like when him and Drew were switching positions, Drew went to the point, Yandel went to the yeah. left side and he just, I think he, I guess he was expecting to Drew to be in that position to get the puck, but I, think I thought he was trying was to go to Couturier so... and he just threw it too over a little, little too far over to the right. But yeah, it was just, it was, it was just a bad play. Just like it, it happens. It happens yeah, over a course of an 82 game season. Right. That's basically. And, and that's what it's only been four games. You have practice. That's what the practice is for. You're going to clean it up and go on from there. You can't hang yourself. And that's hopefully what this team will do in the up as the season progresses. They're not going to hang themselves for their mistakes like they did last year. Okay. You made a mistake, brush it off, throw it in the trash, and you move on to the next game. And the one thing that I also want to bring up too is that get your opinion on it as well is the pairing of Sandheim and Ristolainen so far. Yeah, I just saw that in the comments. Dude, it's four games into a season. I, they're not breaking up defensive pairings. I, I Like, the only reason it was different last game because you didn't have Ellis. I mean, honestly, who who is going to go in for either or? And, and what would you do? Are you going to give Braun more minutes? Are you going to give Yandel more minutes? Are you going to put Sealer into the lineup? Like, you're not going to scratch somebody. You're four games into a season. I like, think what most Lisa people Lyman's are saying played two games as a flyer and Sanheim is, is still young to, to regardless of whatever way you want to take that. He's still a younger player. He's only 25. He's been in the league for a while, you know, for, what this is fifth year. Mm-hmm. But again, my point is, is that, you know, you're still very early in the season. You're not going to be breaking up lines. I just think, I think most people just want them just to, like maybe I think some I think things that I saw expect too were, much from Sanheim. Like that's the thing. Is Sanheim's, it been the, Sanheim's been in the league for so long because when you look at back to when Sanheim was drafted, I know I'm going way too far for this, but yeah, the way the way he was hyped up, he was expected to be a really good top four defenseman, maybe a future top two. Like it's it's all the hype that was surrounded by a lot of the Hextall picks, but I don't want to go into that type of territory though. But no, it's I it's like it's just another. It's just it's just that. Right now, like Sandheim, he's been in the league for as long as he has. And you would kind of wish for him, like, yes, he is 25 years old. That is still very young, and he still has time to maybe showcase something. But you would li- you would probably hope to see something as a progression because last year it was a step back for everyone, especially on Sandheim as well. But you were expecting maybe the Sandheim to maybe take that next step this year to get better, maybe just show some signs of progression. But right. these first four games really haven't been the best showcase. Yeah. Because he has made some mistakes. Same thing with Ristolainen. So, but he, and people like, are going to, they're going to over exaggerate what happens. Like me myself right. personally, yes, I would like to see Sandheim take that next step. I do think he's not playing to his best ability. But am I going to trash Sandheim after the first four games? No. There's it's an 82 game season for a reason. Has the Flyers' defense and breakouts been good at times? Yes. Has it been rough at times? Yes. But have majority of the time which has probably been about 90%, they've recovered. You know what I mean? And it's not even the fact that it's like, again, this is, this is the problem with the Sanheim and Ristolainen pairing. And it has nothing to do with either of the players or the coaching staff or the team in general. It's the fans. It's the fact that if either one of these players make a bad play, it's going to get overlooked. They're going to overanalyze it. Everybody's going to be like, holy shit, you got to break up these guys. And the problem with that, is the fact that when you constantly do it, you don't talk about the good things that they do. So every good thing that Sanheim and Ristolainen are going to do throughout the season is probably going to get overlooked. And when I when I talk about, you know, personally, when I look at players like that, and if they have a rough shift, like the Sanheim and Ristolainen pairing did in the Boston game, Ristolainen had the rough play on the second goal, the bad change, then the, that pairing was also stuck out there, which is also a mismatch for the Flyers because you had the icing by Sanheim. You had their first line, Boston's first line, against our fourth line. Obviously, that's a pretty high danger chance that they're going to score, and they did. So when I look at that, I think to myself, okay, they didn't have their best showing tonight. But Ristolainen's play, the hit on Coyle, which A, was a good hit, B, pissed off Coyle enough to trip Sanheim, and then the Flyers ended up scoring on that power play with 10 seconds left of the power play power play goal. So, like, there's good things and there's bad things. I'm literally all I'm looking from these two guys, which, and I think they'll do it, is just play solid hockey. If they make a if they make a bad play, they make a bad play. 
like I I can't be the only one that's noticed that there are times where Yandel kind of gets mismatched on somebody or Braun or even Pro Ravanellis. It happens. They're not going to be perfect. You're four games into a season. You're not going to break up pairings. You're not going to break up lines. Like you're four games. Again, I can't reiterate this enough. You are four games into an 82 game season. Like I just want the team to play well. It's too early to look at what lines you break up. What do you do here? Like it's the same thing with the power play and the penalty kill. It's too early to say, wow, the power play looks great. Yeah, it looks great, but it's a four game sample size. You know, it's just good that it's producing now and you want to continue that. And if you can, then good. You know, it, it, I'm not going to constantly look at certain things. Um, like there's comments like analytically, like, dude, I, again, I like, I don't really look at the analytics. Um, like too much. I'll look at them, but not nothing like a crazy amount to where I, you know, over. My, per- I don't know my personal opinion, analytics just ruined the, the game. That's like analytics they, are they a good factor for like something. I hate the one thing I, I hate people that take them and that's how they do. They just, they take analytics. Oh, that's how the game works. That's mm-hmm. how this game is run. Okay. Let's just use this as use analytics to help. Don't use them as the Bible. That's yeah. what most people, and that's where you see a bunch of all these different, like random ass Twitter accounts that use analytics to just judge. The analytics everything. are supposed to help confirm your eye test. Yes. But they're not supposed to be what drives your place of the eye test. You know what I mean? Yes. Like you actually have to watch the game. Like I've never understood the entire Seth Jones thing. Do you, do you seriously think Seth Jones? is a bad defenseman because of like, I don't think NHL GMs give a single shit about analytics. Like regardless of what analytic team you have, I don't necessarily think that their thing and signing and whatever is based off of analytics solely. And I'm not saying that people do this, like that analytics don't mean anything. It's just the fact there's so many people that are like, Oh my God, his analytics are bad. It doesn't mean anything. Look at the weather maps. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, majority of this stuff is like, yeah, exactly, the weather. That's a great point. Like, <laughs> how many times does it say it's going to rain? Never rains. You know what I mean? Like, dude, there's been times where they said like six feet, or not six feet, like six to nine inches of snow, and we get like a coating. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, Or they'll say a coating, not... and it turns into 12 feet of snow. Yeah. And it's not like, it's sometimes like the database is just wrong. You know? Like, there, there can be error there, like... It's just like again, I use it. The one thing that I like about them is the heat maps because it shows where majority of the chances come from. Like those are you are you know reliable. The course heat percentage is a good thing. Um, the expected goals I like that as well. Some some of the things are are useful to me personally from the way I cover the game. Um, to others, not so much, and that's fine. But I, I don't use them so much. I mean, listen, I if, if I'm going to sit there and watch every single Flyers game. And half, probably more than half of them, I'll tape and then watch again. And sometimes, some, I mean, some, I told you before, some of the games last year I watched four or five times. <laughs> I just feel bad because. for that. I feel bad yeah, for that. <laughs> and from how bad they were. But, you know, it's just, it's just how it is, man. Like, th- there's many times where I'll sit there and be like, go back, go back 30 seconds, watch the play again, do it again. But it's not you know, the analytic thing, like I'm not going to sit here and, and harp on it. Cause I do think there are a lot of people that do great work with analytics Yes, and can provide a good knowledge of the game while using them, but they're not the, they aren't the be all end all of a player or what they are or anything. Like I see it a lot with Duncan Keith. Like people use his analytics and be like, Holy shit. Keith's a bad defenseman there. I'm sorry. Duncan Keith is not a bad defenseman that has won a Norris, a gold medal, three Stanley cups. Um, and was literally how long was he the quarterback of the, of the Hawks power play a while, a while. Like, I'm sorry. Duncan Keith. is not a bad defenseman. There's the only reason that they get guys is not just because they're all nice play. There's a lot of things that go into it. And another thing is too, is that you got like Jones and everybody says Jones, like in his analytics and this and that. And look, Chicago is playing terrible hockey right now. What are they? Oh, five and one. Yes. There's a lot of things that have gone wrong. I think Jones leads them in points. Not saying that means anything, but I'm just saying that's how bad they've looked. Um, But yeah, like that's another thing. If, if what you're saying is true, I'm not going to sit here and look at it. um, Then yeah, 
I mean, I think there's a lot of things that are wrong with them. But again, I'm, I don't want to make it like I'm harping on the people that use them because I think there are a lot of things that are good with them. It's just how much I'm talking, I'm talking about the people that strictly use analytics to judge the game. And that's yeah. solely how they judge the game and how mm-hmm. teams should be made on how teams should run their organizations. Yeah. And it's just like there's, there's just people that are someone had put a tweet out the other day and it was like <laughs> <laughs> someone had put a tweet slander. out the other day that was like it's not the person who uses them it's the person's attitude when they use them is the problem they make it like the analytics are uh, yes yeah like brian burke had said it best on spit and chicklets he was like i forget the way he exactly said it but he was like i'm not gonna let somebody tell me that i'm wrong because he was like they're great for the game but they're not the the be all <laughs> yes um <laughs> there, there are some things that and and again that's another reason of people that use it too much um they, they are but, also uh, I, I love seeing a flyers twitter also trying to make fun of these guys as well yeah is that uh especially specifically with the Vorchek in the uh atkinson trade <laughs> because at first when they made the trade like they're trying to put together like oh the flyers think atkinson is better than Vorchek. no they're trying <laughs> They're trying yeah, to, and, and, then, and then it was the LMAO in all capital letters, yes, as if go, they thought they were smarter than Chuck Fletcher. Yeah, go like, back. I'm to sorry, drinking. nobody's gonna like just stop. And these guys also really hate Elaine Vigneau as well, right? Like, so if you're going back to the uh Forward Check Atkinson trade, because I know a lot of people like to bring this up, like both teams, like it's way too early to say what side won. Can, like you say, both sides won this trade? Because with Columbus, you have Line. You need a guy that can facilitate the puck to Line. Voracek, he's a great playmaker. That can help for there. For the Flyers, they need help on the penalty kill. They need help scoring. They need a guy that's a shoot-first mentality, two-way forward. That's Atkinson. Mm -hmm. He's a great fit for the Flyers. He's got got four goals in four games so far. Yes. And he's already had a shorthanded goal. I think it took the Flyers to game 54 last year to get a shorty. They got one in four games. Yes. In their fourth game of the year, so it, th- this is perfect right here, right here. I think th- from Dank Sensor, I think this trade doesn't need a winner. Everyone yeah. chill. Columbus some needs trades Jake for line winners. It. Some trades yes. are just good for both teams. It just helps out. And here we go from Luke as well. The Flyers wanted a change and brought in guys that always have a that have a letter A on their jersey. Yeah, yeah. they, they needed the biggest thing was the locker room. They, they wanted <laughs> the change in the locker room. At the end, Joel. <laughs> then she falls. <laughs> And then I mean, he scores I more goals. In caps. I mean, and I just have a question because I'm not too familiar. But if the if the player scores more goals, which is, this isn't a take at Jake or anything, I'm just saying, if the player scores more goals, does that mean that they'd have better analytics or no? Because if they shoot more and they have more goals, you know what I mean. Like Voracek was a pass first guy, and that's fine. You know, it's good to have a very good playmaker. But one thing that Voracek did then, the one thing that so, Voracek did better than anybody was in the corner. I mean, you you could not outmuscle him in the corner. No, you know, and the Flyers are arguably one of the probably a top five cycle team in the league, just with the talent they have. And they're smaller, but they have the 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 skill and the body makeup to win the battles. Even though there was a lot of times last year where they didn't win the battles. Better fit. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, and 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 that's the thing. I mean, some of this stuff is so like I again, I don't understand math either, so this is probably an issue. Um I think Everyone I, on I the think ice next semester I'm taking a high school math class. Um <laughs> just to prove that a little more for everybody. <laughs> yeah, I I couldn't tell you the last time I mathed. It was probably the my last first time my, you math. The first, I it was love my that. First Is that what you just said? Yes, the last time I mathed. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, I think it was a first semester in Temple. I think that was the last time okay. I actually like had a math course. So like I really haven't had to worry about doing like all that math and stuff for a while. So basically, yeah. I just need to know ba- basic algebra, and I'm fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I'm trying to look at back at some of the uh, other points that we brought up or 
some other points from the comment section because I saw some interesting ones, but then we just got into the analytic game. <laughs> so. Yeah, that, that kind of took a while. It was a very unexpected turn. I saw somebody just talking shit on my fantasy team. I want to I want to okay, talk so, about that for a minute. Okay, so you know, okay, here's some another comment like talking about the uh, possible defensive changes if they have to make it. So mm-hmm. one from EJW says like if it continues to happen, like Risto maybe should go with Braun and Yandel maybe would say. I was thinking about and this is still like way far down work, the road. Though. If it goes down the road, I think Braun should be with Sanheim and possibly Risto with Yandel, if that makes sense. That could work. Because Braun, honestly, when they when they had to play Braun in the first two games with Sanheim, that line honestly didn't look that bad. No. The one thing, the problem with, with Yandel with Sanheim is it's two offensive guys. Yes. That can join the rush. And it also takes away the physical presence. Like you put two physical guys on one in Braun and Risto. And then you put Yandel with Sanheim, guys that aren't necessarily the best defensively, even though Sanheim is better than Yandel defensively. But, um, but again, I, I I don't know. I mean, as of right now, I don't think the Flyers are changing anything. I think it's you have to see what plays out, and also with injury and yeah, the COVID list and and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, right now I don't see changes being made this second. It's the only thing if, like, okay, if these mistakes continue to happen, then I can see something happening. Right now, I don't. Yeah. That's, I, that's the only thing I see. I'm not sure if I, – I, I don't remember dissing on Jake's personality if I did. <laughs> um, I don't think Amadeo did either. <laughs> I don't think – okay. So, Jacob says Sanheim is our worst defenseman. So I, I don't agree. I want to get your I don't think the Flyers have a worse defenseman. I want to get your explanation on fine. that, Jacob. So why do you think Sanheim is our worst defenseman? So are you just one of that crowd? Because there is a huge crowd of Flyers fans that just like to harp on Sanheim for no reason. Mm-hmm. So because I believe Sanheim can be a good defenseman. Has he maybe progressed the way I wanted him to? No. Does that mean he's bad? No. I don't think he's our worst defenseman. Oh. Yeah, I don't either. I don't think the Flyers even have a worse defenseman. Like... <laughs> they're playing fine. Like, like this is what I mean. You know what I mean? Like, like this is the stuff that's just like, dude. And I, I don't want to make it like I'm picking on Jake, but like, I've seen this a lot where like, you know, Sanheim doesn't look good or, or Braun or anybody like, like even last year, dude, it was constant. It was just verbal diarrhea from everybody just like constant. And you just saw it all the time. And I don't know if anybody noticed, but that was a, a thing at George Carlin, by the way. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's a good that's, I, a, that's a good comment. <laughs> I'm part of the Santa Hater crowd for no other reason than it's my daily entertainment. <laughs> that's funny. Um, look, I, I'm I don't I don't harp on Santa. I really don't try to harp on any flyer because again, I think there's things where they do wrong. But my honest opinion, if I think somebody's playing bad, I'm going to say it. Um, but I think there's still a lot of things with Sanheim. Like, like there's one thing I always say with defensemen, like Norris or not Norris, Lidstrom won every Norris after the age of 31. Not saying that Travis Sanheim's going to be like, you know, Nicholas Lidstrom. He's or not Norris in his <laughs> we're, career. We're not saying we're not saying that. No, no. and I'm not, it's not, not a player comparison. It's just saying that it takes time with defensemen, and regardless if a guy's 25, they still grow. They still mature. Like Myers is 24 still, I think. I think he's still 24. And he just, he's been scratched in Nashville. Yeah, I think he's been scratched three or four games straight. mm -hmm. I know it was two. I don't know if it went up to three. Or maybe it went up to four. I don't know how many games the Preds played either. Yeah, I think, I think right now his scratching games, I think it, it could be. So Nashville total, they've played six games. So I think they, I think in the last three or four, he has been scratched. Yeah. So here's a Jacob's explanation for Travis Sanheim and why he thinks he's the worst defenseman. He believes that Sanheim is the new Gus to spare lack of physicality, not good in his own D zone and super soft one sided D man with liabilities. He's on, he's on for almost every goal this season. That sounds like the Sanheim from last year. You're four games into his season. And I, I wouldn't compare him to Ghost at all. Sanheim doesn't even play the power play. He's also bigger. So if, if you're looking at Sanheim being on the ice for every goal this year, then you would look for plus minus. 
if he was on the ice for every goal against this year, he'd probably be in the way in the negatives. He's a plus yeah. one this year on the right. ice. And I don't like using plus minus, but. Right. It's just, a, you know, it's a very not overrated stat, but like when a guy's very negative in it, you're like, oh my God. But when a guy's like really positive, you're like, dude, you know what I mean? But then again, if a guy has a bunch of goals and he's like a, like, I, I remember who I was, I just think I was talking to one of my friends at school, like, we were talking about Willem Carlson, and when he had that 40-goal season in 17-18 with Vegas, he was like a plus, like, 49. Well, yeah, no shit. He scored 43 goals. You know what I mean? So, sometimes it's taken in a different sense, but, again, like it's just like stats are just so hard to to measure. And I, and I think right you now, can't them. the major issue is people want to judge the team based off of every single game that they play yeah. when right now this is not the national football league where you play once a week and you only have a 17 to 18 game season yeah. and you records in the... going into a game legitimately yes. mean something yeah then so when you have hockey you have an 82 game season you really don't judge a team maybe until 20 25 30 games into the season and that's probably when you figure out what the team is. You honestly can't necessarily really judge a team. Like, if every team makes the playoffs, not every team, but the 16 that make the playoffs, you can't really judge any of them until the final, until the, 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 the playoffs are over. You know what I mean? Because you have everything can, anything can happen in the playoffs. We've seen it so many times. Like, like, like just looking at the Flyers in 2010. Like, no one thought they'd made the cup final. And they made the cup final. Like, there's just a bunch of different things. Like, um, Washington that year, when they won the cup, for how many years in a row it was, like, you can't necessarily just judge a team for the way that they play or who they're looking at or whatever or stats, anything. Because, again, I think there's just there's so many things that, go with, that goes into just them playing, regardless of just on-ice play. It's everything off the ice, too. So again, it's it's so hard to, to judge a team, but um, no, I I I I'm not I I don't want to make it like I don't agree with Yamadeo. I think it I think it's still a good that that's like a good good uh, what's the word I guess like measuring stick of where the team can kind of be at that point like 25, 30 games in the year like when you're right at like December yeah. around there. I think that it's, that's yeah that's, that's perfect. yeah it's it's not basically like on a basis of oh 25 30 games oh this team's going to win the Stanley Cup I'm thinking about like what this team is like who they are what their identity is and how they play the game I'm not not like necessarily like oh they're going to make they're an obvious playoff team oh they're an obvious miss the playoff team I'm more on the basis of you know how this team is going to play you know what their identity is and you know how they're most likely going to adapt to that the rest of the season I think that's the right like mindset to have it's like not not really in the terms of, oh, this team's going to do this and this and this and that. No. For this Flyers team, what I expected didn't come in this year, they're not going to be a dominant team. They're not going to be a bad team. I think they're going to have their ups. They're going to have their downs. I do still see them as a playoff team. I think they're going to be, they're definitely 10 times better than they were last year. But right now, you look at this division, it's a very tough division. You have to win your games. And this Flyers team, I think, with the way that Chuck Fletcher built them, brought in different types of leadership, I think that's going to help them mightily this year get through the downtimes and i think we'll see those downtimes maybe even less than we did in seasons past just because they have all those leaders in the locker room that have been there and done that right no for sure and and that's the thing i, I think a lot of what the flyers identity is this year is just playing as a team like i asked Drew the other night and he was like and i asked if there's anything that he thinks they should carry over to the road and he was like if we just you know you know intensity playing the same way and, and just playing as a team, you think, you know, good things will come. And I think that's perfect because I think they've shown a lot of that in the first four. And obviously, you know, when you have four home games, you build off the crowd and everything and things like that. But I think a lot of what the Flyers have had in the past week or so has just been good tests for them. You had Boston, you won that game, you have Florida, you hung with them, but you ended up losing. Now you have a test where you have three games and four nights on the road, your first road trip of the year. And it's another test for them to see kind of where they are early in the season to see how how they play. Well, dank. That's not a good mentality to have. You just want them to miss the playoffs so they break the stupid back and forth. Who streak. cares about the streak? <laughs> I, 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 
I mean, yeah, if you're looking at the streak, it's like, oh, they should make the playoffs this year, but yeah, it's a completely different identity to, you know. Like I feel like it's it's like they're just gonna start a new streak. And hopefully it's a good one. Yeah. Right whether what happens, it's gonna be a different streak, whether it's consistently making the playoffs or it's consistently missing the playoffs and maybe having to blow the team up. But we're just way too far to even get into that type of conversation. Way, way too far ahead to even think about that. Right now, it's only what been does this four common games. Mean? <laughs> I pay five dollars a month to see if a grown man I've ever met. I've I've never met numbers are what <laughs> red and blue. <laughs> I don't know what that comment means. Joel Fair meme. The, oh, is it so what does he pay for it? Advanced stats or something? Maybe. Funny. Possibly. Then you also <laughs> So you want so Joel, you want us to tank to get Connor Bedard? Is that what you want, man? <laughs> Wait, who is the um the expected first overall pick in this draft is it? It's Shane. Wright. Is it? I forget his name. Shane Wright. Shane Wright. Shane Wright. That's yeah. for some reason I thought his last name. But I was getting confused with Spencer Knight for some reason with Florida. I was getting confused about that. But yeah, Shane Wright and Connor Bedard, the next what two franchise changing players in the next two yeah. drafts. Shane so. Wright. Um, yeah, right. It looks like the tank for Camille. The. The 2022 mock draft has Buffalo with the number one pick in exchange, right? You got the soda man saying he doesn't want the Flyers to ever tank at all. He doesn't care for tanking. <laughs> this Shane Dank says Shane Wright has actually been so mediocre this year. <laughs> well, I guess well, the Flyers right now are in, in that position to talk about top draft picks or if you want to talk about top draft picks go with the, with the football the eagles have what probably three first round picks this year but that's still a whole different sport <laughs> that is that, I really don't is that good like uh, they suck at drafting right not it's with like, howie roseman in, in the office it's not good well when you're bad at drafting like what do you do uh you you would hopefully you can find some guy you imagine they draft a quarterback i, I can see that honestly but I think this oh. year's quarterback class is like very weak compared to last year's. Well, it's been so, so good have, for how long? Like a while. 16, right? Yeah, it's been good for a while. So I don't think it's a. <laughs> yeah, like Wentz and Goff, right? Yeah. Even though Wentz right now, the Colts, they're not the best record, but he's been playing a lot more. Goff, he's got traded to Detroit, and Detroit hasn't won a game yet. So. Well, that's the Lions. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very but excited I guess, for this I guess Goff. football game. Oh, you are Packers Cardinals. That is an interesting match. The six and one Packers against the seven and zero Cardinals in Lambeau. Right. What about the uh, World Series? It starts tomorrow. Braves yeah. versus Astros. It's I'm like excited for that. It's like I don't even want to watch it, but I'm going to. <laughs> it's like the ad. It's like the Astros and Nationals again. It's it's kind of going to suck just because Acuna is not in the uh, World Series, but it's still going to be a very hopefully entertaining matchup. Hopefully, no one gets swept. Hopefully, at least goes six games. Just I would go seven, just, just to just for the make it entertaining. So, yeah. oh yeah, Timmy. Uh, off to a Phantoms topic right now. Timmy Flyers guy wants to get our thoughts on the Phantoms struggles so far. So I've seen from the past couple of games they've had they're having trouble scoring. Is that one of their biggest issues? Scoring defense hasn't looked great, and their guy actually gotten good goaltending. They just haven't been able to put pucks in the net. And Frost got benched. We talked about that. Um, and they just they're they're o three and one, so o and four. They haven't necessarily looked great. Um, I don't know. I mean, do you have any thoughts? I feel like a lot of everything is kind of just. They're trying yeah. to develop player guys more yeah. than Wayne. I know. The, I know the goaltending has been really good. Sandstrom and Arison have been a really good tandem back there. Arison uh, had a really good game the past uh, night they played. I forget who they did play though, but he had a really good had a really good performance. I think he saved a lot of shots. Uh, I really haven't heard much out of Cam York down there, but I'm assuming he's doing fine. Frost, I know he has the whole situation with him getting benched during the preseason, and the Phantoms having like so many power plays in the span of like he was benched just in the regular season game. He was second game. Yeah, the second game against Hershey, he was benched. Um, we, they had a six on three, down by a goal, and he was absolutely invisible that game. I don't think he saw a shift in the third past twelve minute mark. 
Yes, thank you. I was just about to bring that up. If you have Tua Mamala down there and he is a healthy scratch, what the hell is the point of having him in the AHL? Is he a healthy scratch right now? He was. He's, I think he's been a healthy scratch the last two games. Then why Send is him to the here? OHL. What is the point? Send him the well, Sudbury to play. I guess. I think right now is what the point is. I think I guess certain players like you give him that like was it like a like a six or a six to nine game grace period before you send them back down to whether whether team they used to play for. Yeah. So I think maybe that's what they're testing. But I, I, hopefully he What's goes back point down of to junior press box. I, I, I don't. I, I don't get it. Send him down. Like yeah. Hashtag safe Sam Hashtag safe Sam get a trending voice. And then also yeah, but... Dank has a comment about Shane Wright. Shane Wright's cool, but ever since generational wingers, Aid Wisdom left the squad, he's been so in. <laughs> Dang, do you, does he watch Kingston a lot? Is he able to watch them? Do you watch Kingston a lot, Dank? Or do you th- or is it just you're looking at mainly his stats or something like that? And also talking about Tuamala being the 13th forward. Yeah, that's really bad for his development. I don't know why he's yeah. being benched. Send him down. There, there's no point of keeping him up there. York has two assists so far, minus one, but Lehigh Valley is playing. They, Lake they have, so they're just not engaged in the games. Like the game that I, like, I think uh, their first might have been. Dank watches, um, Dank watches okay. the CHL all the time. Yeah. There you go. Well, that's good to know. Um, yeah, yeah, Dank, you'll be our official uh, junior. Yeah. Uh, you'll be our prospect CHL guy. <laughs> so yeah. make sure you have to join the podcast every single time to talk yeah. about the junior. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, like Frost, like getting benched, like you have a six on three. It's like, how do you not put him out there? Really you know good question. I mean? It's just really like, I get it. You're going for development, but I feel like that's just like overkill at that point. How do you not put him out there in that situation? And if, if you wanted, you could have put him out there, tied the game and then benched him in overtime. You know, like, and I, I know Bill Meltzer had said stuff on it. Um, I talked about it on Don't Panic with Uri Wallach and Craig Eagles. Like, you just got to try to do something different. And he was more engaged in the game after that. And I think last game he was he was better. But there, there's, there's it's things off the puck and defensively they want him to get better at. But don't – like, it's just like I don't understand how defensively not putting him out there on a six-on-three is going to make him play better defense. You know what I mean? Put him out there. Let him try to score. But I do understand it. It's a development thing. It's sending a message. You know, play better. And again, we've seen it with Frost. We saw it in the preseason with the Flyers. We saw it with the preseason with the Phantoms. First preseason game in Lehigh Valley. I think he had three points. Next game, completely invisible. And with the Flyers, completely invisible the game we saw him against Boston. Was great against Washington. Set up a bunch of chances. Was was had a decent game in the other game against the Bruins at home, the, the two one overtime win. Um, and he was more effective defensively and had four, he registered four hits that night. We've seen different flashes, the way he can play. It's just consistently. So it, it but it, it just gets to the point where it's like, he's 22 years old. He's a first round pick from 2017. What do you expect from him? You know, what do you want him to do? From the, the yeah, you want them to do more exactly. So you you have to look at it from the team standpoint. It's like, are you at the point now where you keep developing developing him, or do you trade him? You know, what do you do? And again, I don't think they'll trade Frost, but it's a it's a serious question of what do you do now? You know, I think it's very again. I don't want to make it like I'm saying get rid of him or trade him or anything, but it's just a question, a general question of what do the Flyers do, and how do you handle his development? Yeah. Because right now, I question. see no point of him coming up here. The Flyers are scoring goals. They're playing well. You're four games into a season. I don't think anyone from Lehigh Valley is, is going up, to come yeah. up here unless they're absolutely lighting it up down there and the Flyers are struggling. I don't see Cam York coming up here. A, no. if the Flyers are playing well, there's no point. B, because if he comes up here and say the Flyers are playing well, just for you know argument's sake, just say he the Flyers are playing well and he gets called up. Right, he's going to play third pair of minutes. You're not yes. cha- you're not putting him. You're not putting Sanheim any lower. You're not switching up Pro Robin Ellis. He's going to play third pair. That's it. That's what he played last year when he was up here. You're not going to now. If you're completely eliminated from a playoff spot and you have a lot of games left, why the hell not? 
but I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. Now, obviously, seasons take time and everything like that, and we'll see how the team progresses. But as of right now, I don't see Frost coming up here. I don't see York coming up here at any point if the, if the team is playing well. Yeah, and not York, not Forrester, not anyone else down there. I don't no. see anyone else coming up besides. The yeah. only real reason I can see someone coming up is just for that injury factor. But right now, I don't think it's necessary. Right, and injuries is a thing, but then again, you have a lot of guys that you can call for injury. Yep. You know, you have, you have Bunneman, you have Jackson Cates, you have Max Wellman, you have many other guys that I could mention that you could call. I mean, e- even Rupsov could could play. And it's I'm not trying to just throw Frost out, you know, on the bus or you know whatever uh, under the bus, I should say. But it's just a a thing of what do you do because you have other guys that you can throw into the lineup. Yeah. And, you know, I think those guys, again, I think a lot of these guys are going to get chances to play anyway because the Flyers are going to get hit with the injury bug even though they've already been pretty <laughs> hit with it already to start the year. But. Yeah, Joel, apparently Joel Fermin is the executive in producing Young Beezer's album. So that's news there. And also uh, <laughs> another good quote. In other news, the Maple Leafs suck. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing the Maple Leafs get blown out by Pittsburgh, missing like five of their five, six of their top players Malkin, Crosby, Rust, Carter, and Latang. Yeah, that literally can be. And did you see Steve Dangle's video? Yes, that might have been the funniest one of the funniest ones I've ever watched. He, when he, when he described the Muzzin Hall pairing, he was like, You ever fart in one room and it follows you to the next room? He's like, that how that's how they covered that play. I had to pause it. I was laughing so hard. It was so funny. Oh god. That's I I feel so bad for Steve, man. Like he's been covering Maple Leafs for so long. And they just lead to so much misery for I, I know we're Flyers fans. We go for a ton of misery ourselves, but man, like yeah, but our team like at least dude, was won a playoff series it, recently. It, it, yes, yes, at least you know, has. you know, what would also be funny? Have the biggest expectation in the league every single year, and they do absolutely you know, nothing with it. You know, what would be funny if right. we get into the playoffs and the Leafs do make it and they play the Florida Panthers. You got two teams that haven't made it past the first round in so long, and, and Florida, Florida wins. wins. And you imagine Florida they're the has... two, three in the division and they play each other and the Leafs yep. have home ice advantage. Yep. Yep. It, because Florida hasn't made it past the first round since they went to the Stanley Cup final in the mid 90s. And cool. then you have Toronto, who hasn't been it past the first round since 2004. So yeah. that'll be very fun. That'll be very, very funny. <laughs> and I feel bad. I feel so bad for Steve Dangle. It's. Ah, misery. <laughs> it's funny when he shows the comments on his channels. Like, there's so many people that just ask, "Does he need a hug?" And I think he does need a big hug. The last one was like, "Are you okay?" He's like, "No, I'm not okay." <laughs> and wait, and then he was like, "They lost to the Penguinless Penguins." I'm like, "Dude, like he's got such a way with words." It's like the Penguinless I mean? Penguins. Yes. Uh, <laughs> That's so funny, man. And also, the one question that does keep coming up. With when Hayes does eventually come back, do you break up the Broussard line? I think right now, if they continue to play good, I think Hayes moves into the third line center role, and possibly yeah, and, and might... coming off the injury, I, I don't think you want to put him in second line minutes. Yeah, I think if you put him on the third line center, you put maybe Lawton down to the fourth line, so you play Hayes with Limblom and JVR and Lawton maybe takes a if if it's still the same lineup at this point, you put Lawton with Thompson and McEwen or Brown, whatever you want to do it at that point, yeah. NAK or Albi Cal, Albi Cabell, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of guys that can rotate that spot. <laughs> Steve Dangle cries himself to sleep each night. <laughs> oh my god! So we got a question. Well, we got a point from EJW says how much he trashed Braun last season and the off season. He sees a jump in his game this year, and he feels he's been doing a good job Dude, as a third defenseman. Is it me or I personally thought Braun was the best defenseman? Best defenseman last year for how bad they were. Braun, I honestly thought was their best defenseman. Yeah, it's like you're looking at Provorov was bad last year. The Myers Sandheim pairing was bad last year. Just everything last year was just god awful. Haig wasn't good. Gustafson, oof, that was ugly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you basically, yeah, Braun was probably one of their better defensemen last season. But then at that point, you're like, man, I'm picking probably the, it's like you're, 
you're looking at a a you're looking at <laughs> my one friend likes to use this analogy and it's it, it's it's hilarious it's like it's a you have you're judging a piece a golden piece of shit to a bigger pile of piece of shit but it's still a piece of shit at this point right. yeah <laughs> it's funny but i also do like the point where this is my favorite thing from Hunter Brody. If Justin Braun scores a goal, the game should automatically end. And I think if Justin Braun continues to score goals, the Flyers will be Stanley Cup champions at the end of the day. <laughs> Justin Braun for the Norris Trophy. How about the Braun joining the party against Seattle, dude? Yes. Yes. When's the, when's the next calendar month do you think he scores a goal? I say he I scores know. against Calgary on Saturday. <laughs> That's my prediction. I, I think um, I think Braun pulls a McDavid. He goes end to end, scores on Mike Smith. <laughs> I don't know if Smith's gonna play. You don't know. He was he was week to week last week, and they said he might be out till Wednesday. Oh, so it might be Koskinen and that, or if they go mm-hmm. with the. I, I think Spirit. I do remember seeing. I think I do remember seeing the. Uh, they did call up a backup for it. It'd be funny yeah. if they used a backup. That probably hasn't seen any NHL action. Mm-hmm. Man, 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 man. That would be flyers, though, to, you know, fall to a backup that hasn't played. But that's, don't want to go that far. <laughs> well, I mean, that was Swayman and then you had Bennington. And... Yeah. <laughs> the, fir- the first Eric Gustafson was greater than the last Eric Gustafson. <laughs> yes, I do agree with that. I definitely agree with that. Braun will score against Edmonton after taking out McDavid and going bar down against Koskinen. <laughs> uh... So before we end off the podcast, I want to look at Don't the Shastnikov. <laughs> well, he's going to do the Michigan goal now. <laughs> he's going to do the Michigan. Man, Braun. I, I love talking about Justin Braun like this, so. Before we end up the podcast, let's just look at you know the way too early standings right now in the National Hockey League. So if you look at the Metropolitan Division, you got the New York Rangers in first place, nine points. Carolina Hurricanes in second with eight points. Pittsburgh and the Washington Capitals actually are tied with Carolina. They all have eight points in total. The Islanders, they have seven points. They still haven't played a home game yet, and they're not going to be a home game for a while. So they have seven points. The Devils, they have six. Columbus also have six. And the Flyers are in last place above 500 with five points. That's still weird to say, but it kind of sucks because every team is winning. But still, it's very early to talk about that. Yeah. And again, the standings don't matter to like yeah. March, February. Yeah. The Atlantic Division, Florida remains undefeated. They have 10 points on the season. Buffalo, they have seven points off with their hot start to the season. Detroit continuing their hot start. They have seven points as well. Boston has six points. Tampa Bay has five. Same thing with Toronto. They have five as well. Ottawa, they have four. And Montreal has two win, two points, actually, with getting their first win in their last game. Against the Red Wings. <laughs> yes. So in the Central Division, St. Louis Blues, they have first place tied with the Minnesota Wild. They both have eight points. The Dallas Stars, they have six points. Winnipeg Jets with five. Colorado with four, and as well as Nashville in both the Arizona Coyotes and the Chicago Blackhawks have one point each with each having an overtime loss. Both of those teams do not have a win at all. Going to the Pacific, the Edmonton Oilers, who the Flyers play this Wednesday, are undefeated. They have 10 points on the season, 5-0. and San Jose, their hot start to the season, they're 4-1. and Vancouver, they have 7 points, they're 3-2-1. and Calgary, they're in 4th place with 5 points. Anaheim, they have 5 points in 5th place. The Los Angeles Kings, they have 3 points. Seattle Kraken, they lost their first home game in franchise history to the Vancouver Canucks. They have three points. Wait, the Vegas four, Golden Knights. One, four, and one. Yes, they are one, four, and one. Yeah. And the Vegas Golden Knights, with all the injuries that they're having right now, they're on a four-game losing streak. They're one and four with two points in last place. I don't think Vegas has scored a power play goal this season. I don't think they have either. Their power play was last in like zero percent. <laughs> I don't know if that was a glitch or if that's legitimately real. No, I think their power play, even going back to last year, has been bad. Yeah. Their power play just hasn't been good. Did you see the article from one of the Kraken news sites that, like, they are already blaming Hackstall? Yes. He's been outcoached in every game. Yes. I yeah. saw that. It's not good. I man. saw that, that it's just like, give him dude, time. Like, dude, your franchise literally just started. Are you trying to expect this team to go to the Stanley Cup final? They're not Vegas. 
Yeah, they're not Vegas. They're not. They're just, he's gonna let the season play out. See what see what happens. And I think we're gonna to uh, leave the podcast off with this comment right here from Joel Fermi. Brahms super punches Superman punches McDavid and goes between the legs. Bark down on Koskinen. <laughs> oh, that's a great that's a great comment to leave off. So thank you everyone for joining this episode of the Flyer Up podcast. Definitely go check out everywhere the Painted Lines is at YouTube, social media, and also for our individual YouTube channels, Flyers Fan Media 93 for Chris and also TTP Sports for me. Also the individual Twitter pages for TPL, the Florida Podcast, Chris's Twitter account at underscore Chris Mayer, and my Twitter account, Amadeo Gracia98. Definitely go check out the Florida Pod merch website. It should be down in the description below. And if you we're just late to tuning into this podcast. It'll be up on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast at shortly after this live stream ends. So definitely stay tuned for that if you want to listen to the full thing. So thank you, everyone, for joining. Hopefully the Flyers got a couple of wins on this road trip. We'll probably be back in between the uh, the three games, most likely, I would say. before Friday, Friday Calgary. Night, right? Yeah, most likely before that mm-hmm. Calgary game. So we'll definitely be <laughs> definitely be uh waiting for that so thank you everyone for joining and we will see you next time